Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Thursday, September the 29th. This week we're talking surgery because the upcoming issue of the Lancet, dated October the 1st, is a surgery-themed issue. I'm delighted to be talking to the author of a fast-track trial that we're publishing in the issue and this concerns mobilising patients in the surgical intensive care unit. Do come in, Matthias, and can I ask you to give me your full title, name and affiliation, please? Thank you, Richard, for giving me the opportunity to um, talk about um, our study. I am an associate professor of anesthesia at uh, Harvard Medical School and serve as a clinical director uh, in the critical care division at the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. Let's start with some basics. The clinical issue here concerns, obviously, surgical ICU, which is, which is a, a challenging environment, I, I'm sure, but, but, and particularly to research in. But before we go into the details of your trial, can you just outline for us the, the clinical issue here, the, the mobilization of patients? What do we know about how important this is in terms of how patients fare when they eventually come out of ICU? Surgical intensivists have become pretty successful making sure our patients survive their critical illness. However, we realize that many patients who spend a long time in the intensive care unit have problems with muscle weakness. In our surgical patients, muscle weakness leads to a prolonged rehabilitation requirement and also prevents patients from going back to work. We have even seen um, in some of our patients that they are still unable to walk independently and to take care of themselves up to one year after discharge from the hospital. So mobilizing patients following a surgical procedure has been part of the surgical culture for many years. I guess all medical students know that in elderly patients, for example, with hip fractures, early mobilization is a key element um, of a successful treatment. However, in surgical patients admitted to an intensive care unit after a major complicated surgery or a severe trauma, we do not always focus on our patient's mobility early after admission. We rather want to prevent our patients from feeling any discomfort, pain, anxiety, or shortness of breath. So with a good intention, we often want to give our critically ill patients the opportunity to rest. Some data show that's not always in the patient's best interest. Studies conducted in the medical ICU show that early moderate exercise can help our patients get sick as a consequence of immobilization in the ICU. Just tell us about the specific aims of your trial, because th this was done in many centers, wasn't it, in, in Austria and in the United States as well. What the specific aims were, and also briefly what the challenges were, because this must be a difficult area in which to organize uh, randomized trials. In the absence of recommended standards for early mobilization therapy in surgical intensive care unit patients, we first started at the Massachusetts General Hospital here in Boston a couple of years ago, a interprofessional quality improvement project to identify barriers to early mobilization across physical therapists, nurses, um, um, rehabilitation physicians, and intensive care physicians. And based on these results, we created, with all these clinical stakeholders sitting in the same room at the table, a algorithm, um, the CQ Optimal Mobilization Scale. Well, the philosophy of that algorithm is to foster early mobilization while addressing the main safety concerns. 
rather than focusing on rare contraindications to mobilization therapy. It's important to say that the final decision always is made at the bedside by the main providers. It's not an algorithm that is religiously applied one-to-one in each patient. It's also important to say that a facilitator needed to um, help the team apply the best practices. We tested a complex intervention rather than a new drug that simply needs to be administered in a well-defined fashion. So in order to be able to conduct that international trial, we needed to validate the SOMS instrument in three languages. And then we learned that um, this algorithm to early goal-directed mobilization therapy predicts outcomes of ICU patients, such as length of stay in the ICU and hospital length of stay. So based on all these studies that we did over about a period of five years, we were then able to design our randomized control trial. Designing the randomized control trial, the challenge was then to identify main outcome criteria that are both specific to mobilization therapy and also clinically meaningful. And at the same time, they needed to be realistic to achieve um, by an intervention that stops when patients leave the intensive care unit. And can you just give a little bit more detail on on the intervention protocol and and the scale, obviously, and the scale that you used to assess mobility had to obviously cover both intervention and control arms? I think it was very important at the beginning to make sure we were able to apply um, the same level of clinical care in the control group and in the intervention group across the international centers, except for the early goal-directed mobilization intervention. So therefore, we created protocols uh, that were accepted um, by all centers, and, and you know our results in retrospect, I think, um, make us believe that we were um, effective. Uh, so the intervention itself um, began early, during the first uh, two days after ICU admission, and consisted basically of two elements. First, we defined a challenging mobility goal um, during daily morning rounds. And second, we implemented that goal supported by a facilitator. So, and the second part is um, probably as important as the first part because implementing best practices into clinical routine treatment is a complex process that involves clinicians adopting the program and um, implementing it into their specific local settings. The goal for the specific day was uh, set either to a level zero, no mobilization, level one, passive range of uh, motion exercises in the bed, level two, sitting, level three, standing, and level four, ambulating. Pretty simple. And after morning rounds, a sign with a target mobility goal was posted at the participant's bedside, and the clinical team worked toward the goal implementation throughout the day. Now let's talk a little bit more about the most important part of the facilitator's role. He or she checked with the nurse and the PM to make sure mobility treatment was actually implemented as prescribed. In fact, sometimes um, our nurses or physical therapists do not feel comfortable to implement a predefined mobility goal later on during that day or during night shift. So it was an important element of the success to um, make sure two things happen. First, that all voices critical to that innovative treatment are heard, while making sure, second, that the best practices as defined in the AM during rounds are actually implemented. 
let's go on and detail the results. And I think we can say up front that we clearly saw some benefit with the intervention. Tell us about uh, the significance of, of the findings. Our data show that the new treatment, the early goal-directed mobilization therapy combined with um, viable implementation strategy in the surgical intensive care unit decreases the time our patients have to stay in the intensive care unit and in the hospital. So also we observed that um, our patients could act more independent at hospital discharge. They were, for example, more often able to move themselves from the bed to the chair or to walk or wheel 150 feet with no assist. We observed additional um, beneficial effects of the treatment that the study was not a priori powered for, and those beneficial um, observations included a lower number of patients who developed a delirium during the ICU, and also, maybe most importantly, since the patients who had received early mobilization treatment in the ICU were more independent at hospital discharge, they were also more often discharged back home. And that's probably the most, from a patient-centered uh, point of view, the most important observation we made. In fact, 51% uh, versus 27% uh, of the patients were discharged back home in the intervention group compared to the control group. And what are the next steps, both in terms of research and implications for, for clinical management? Well, our data demonstrated an improvement of patient-centered outcomes as well as ICU and hospital length of stay shortening. So we conclude that the new treatment should help improve the value of care we provide um, in surgical intensive care. So we predict that surgeons and intensivists will make strong efforts to implement the new treatment locally on their ICUs. Since we have validated the instrument in English, German, and Italian language already and published the um, instruments, uh, our results are directly applicable to millions of surgically and critically ill patients who speak English, Italian, or German. The process of implementing early goal-directed mobilization therapy has already started at MGH and some other institutions who also participated in this trial. At MGH, Massachusetts General Hospital, where you are based, yeah. Yes, yeah. and as far as research goes, um, it's likely that um, not one mobilization dose and frequency will fit all of our surgical patients. So it's possible or likely that some patients, for instance, patients with brain trauma or frail patients may do better with um, a different pattern of mobilization therapy, for example, more frequent or less intense mobilization treatment interventions. And we did not capture that in the current trial. So we would like to learn more about how to create an individualized mobilization plan that takes into account the patient's baseline brain and muscle function, as well as the dynamic level of muscle wasting and weakness acquired in the intensive care unit. Final question, and this concerns obviously the longer term impact of this protocol. Obviously getting patients uh, to discharge earlier is of benefit, if not, not least for the intense pressure for um, surgical ICU beds, just in terms of hospital administration, but obviously for patients as well to get mobile and to start their recovery. But of course, you know what happens, early discharge from hospital can mean that you regress when you get back home. We need to know more about the longer term follow-up of uh, these ICU patients, don't we? Yes, that is absolutely true. So we will certainly be interested in gathering long-term outcome data. 
So at the same time, I would say that we do not expect to see a setback for the recovery process just related to early mobilization therapy. But um, as we will study longer-term outcomes, uh, we will need to make sure we apply to all patients a consistent long-term mobility plan, which is challenging because um, it, it requires an integrated approach starting early in the ICU, which we can you know, make sure it happens, which is then also maintained after discharge from the acute care hospital to optimize long-term efficacy of uh, functional mobility. In general, perioperative treatment is a team sport, uh, physical and cognitive rehabilitation needs to be combined with surgical follow-up, optimized nutrition, psychological and social support of the patients and even their families. So, and all that should optimally be orchestrated by the patient's general practitioner, who in an optimal world would see the patient early after surgery in the hospital and help us um, define our mobility plan early on after surgery. Well, it's a fascinating study, and it's been really interesting talking to you. So that's Dr. Matthias Eichmann on the line from Massachusetts General Hospital, Boston, in the United States. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you so much, Richard, for giving me the chance to talk about our study.